Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the latest news and do in-depth album reviews of some of the independent world's hottest new releases. I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones, and alongside me I have... DJ Vice. Um, I have a real name, too. It's Kirsten Southwell. Yeah, we're currently down. Sarah. Sarah Serenade is is currently out, but she will be back within the next couple of weeks to uh, help guide us along these these awesome reviews and it's music path. That's right. All right, yes. so let's get right into things. So one of the biggest news stories from uh, the past couple of weeks has been Best Coast just got announced as Enemy's number one new band of 2010. Now you're going to ask about Yeah, what is the the Enemy's list is that Enemy, yeah, New Musical Express, uh, the British publication, they release a list of best bands of 2010 so far, or at least not so far, but they're just declaring best band of 2010. And Best Coast was named that band. And Best Coast also just had uh, their debut album, which we're going to review a little later, right. hit the top 40 billboards in the past couple of weeks. I think their peak was around 36. I'll have to double check. But, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal for a, a band out of Los Angeles who's pretty much coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And what do you think it has to say for the type of music that they're playing? Well, I mean, as I'll also talk about later in the review i think it's a trend i don't know if it is a trend but the first thing it reminded me of was surfer blood the band um and i i mean and how successful they're coming out of the woodwork too well what i was also thinking was when did that list wait when was it announced that best coast was when was that when did that come out? this was just a couple of weeks ago i think it's about last week this was really so last week uh we're recording August. We're recording August 23rd. Okay. Well, because someone, I guess I just remember um, during my show in the in the spring, someone called in like three times, like asking to play Best Coast. And I was like, you guys know Best Coast? They're like, ah, I've never heard of it. And then, um, I obviously, they're playing the Hopscotch Music Festival. And so I guess maybe this is a secret. I, I had never heard of them. And now I hear them on the station all the time. Yeah. I, I think what's happening is Enemy naming Best Coast as number one new band of 2010 is really solidifying that surfer rock kind of, I don't want to say lazy-eyed genre that's really been predominant. Number two, actually, was the drums, which I could see NME naming them because they've been kissing the drums' ass ever since (laughs) they had heard their first EP, which was about a year ago. Yeah, and so it's really solidifying this specific type of sound. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely been the sound of the year, if I can name one. One grievance that I did have with this entire list was the fact that they're, they're coming out with it in August. Yeah. Doesn't that seem a bit peculiar? you got several months where new bands could form and uh, not maybe form, but release records, release their debut. Well, when is the height of album release? I mean, isn't that in the summer? From from what I can tell, it's early summer. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes that's fair to say that it is. they're calling that kind of early. But in... I mean, if something comes out between now and 2011, does it have a chance to make it for 2011? Or maybe if it's... That's an interesting point because uh, last year, at the tail end of the year, Animal Collective released an EP entitled Fall Be Kind. Which and it is got, amazing. It, it was, it's an amazing EP uh, for Animal Collective fans. Right. And, well, just for, for music lovers in general. But a lot of people overlooked it because it came out at the tail end of last year. And I could easily call... Uh, what would I want, Sky? One of my top five songs yeah. of twenty of two thousand nine. See, I was about to say twenty ten, <laughs> but that's the problem is because a lot of people they don't really pay too much attention to music or at least new music at the tail end of a year. 
Well, is it something like, are a lot of these um, artist reviews, are they usually released throughout the year? Or is it, because isn't there a thing where a lot of good movies come out at the end of the year so that they can try and win a Oscar or something? There is, yeah. There are certain pushes in, in other types of media. Uh, video games, for example, are a huge example of this. You There's usually a drought in the summer, and then a lot of games get pushed in the month of October and November, right in time for the holiday season. I don't think that's so much the case with music, but I do think it's a little peculiar that they are releasing this list in August instead of when people usually do top of lists, which is usually November, right before they go and spend time with their family. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So so there usually is a trend on when this would happen. Okay. I mean, and I guess, obviously, I don't know if, unlike movies that are out to make so much money, I mean, it totally rides on release and not releasing a family dog movie next to another family dog movie. I, I don't think musicians are maybe as conscious of that. But seeing the success that it brought for Best Coast, it's maybe not a terrible idea. Yeah, at least I'll say uh, at least a lot of the independent musicians, they don't seem so focused on I know. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, start your statement again. Yeah, a lot of independent musicians, it doesn't seem to me as if they're focusing on that so much. Uh, you'll see maybe more in the mainstream Kanye versus 50 Cent, that kind of example, right. where they'll, they'll face off each other in a week just for record sales. But I don't, I don't think that's the same. But it's an injury. I think it really does solidify that trend of this year that I, I didn't want to call it in August, but it seems like that surfer sound is back. Right. Surf is in. Surf fits is the, in. Fits the summer theme. It's pretty good summer music. We'll talk about it later. All right. And the next bit of news uh, that's really stood out and has made a pretty big impact, I'll say, in a way people are looking at independent record labels is Arcade Fire. With their latest album, it's their third. The Suburbs hit number one on the Billboard charts. A couple of years ago, I remember Modest Mouse hitting number one. Earlier this year, Spoon and Vampire Weekend got within the top 15 of Billboard. I think we're seeing a major shift in the way that people are purchasing music. Not so much the mainstream, but how dedicated those that aren't in or aren't, they don't the people that don't prefer that type of Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga sound are, at least seems to me, more dedicated. They're going out and they're buying those records instead of people who are, I don't know, illegally purchasing online or just downloading off of iTunes. Right. Yeah, I mean, we that's a common theme that we bring up all the time is, you know, how are people buying music these days and what makes people buy albums and it's something that I think a lot of industries are trying to focus on in order to either revive it or to accommodate to the new technology. So, and of all the um, albums, I mean, I'm kind of curious as to why. Well, obviously the quality of the album, but I wonder if there's something specific. I don't know a lot of like really hardcore Arcade Fire fans. Arc- I, th- I think know? a lot of it becomes with the name brand. Uh, Arcade Fire has been there for a couple of years. Uh, once again, it's their third album. They, to me, seem as if they're the staple indie band that people will go to. I watched an episode of Tosh.0, and there was a there was a comment made about that that guy was indie. He was listening to Arcade Fire and doing okay. all this other stuff. But I think it's a it's a matter of Arcade Fire being a name that's recognizable to those in the mainstream that are looking for independent bands. That's one that seems to come up, at least uh, in my opinion. I see that. I, I, you know, it's funny. Maybe I've been off the planet for a year or two, but I, 
because I've heard the name before and I'd never listened or never really was familiar with what their music sounded like. Um, so to me, I guess that says something like, oh, I never hear. Maybe it's because I never hear people talk about it that much. My brother sometimes talks about him, but it's not like, I don't know, comparable to some other bands that are escaping my mind right now. Another interesting point that I would like to make is this has been a pretty big year for Merge Records. Uh, Merge in the United States holds Arcade Fire. They also hold Spoon. Grizzly Bear. Grizzly Bear, among others. She and him and more. She and him and more. And those acts have all been doing tremendously well, not only within people like NPR and WKNC, but within Billboard and Rolling Stone and other publications. They seem to be picking up some steam. I don't want to make any big points that indie is coming, is becoming more of a mainstream thing. It's assimilating more. But I like to know that at least there's some uh, outlook from the mainstream community into the independent record labels. And uh, I think this is great for Merge coming right after their, what is it, 25th anniversary? Yeah. Wow. That they're getting so many big acts that are getting a lot of recognition. And uh, I think it's due time. Well, and I mean, as the point you were making about um, how indie's becoming more mainstream, I think it's definitely becoming having a wider and deeper audience. I mean, it's not just what the kids are listening to these days, like most of the underground music trends. You have adults that are just as savvy as music as college kids. So I think maybe that's contributing to it because I feel like even even if you're a dedicated fan, there's still a really good handful of kids our age that, you know, just tell the musicians they're listening and that's enough music appreciation and not just go out and buy the album. So maybe that has something to do with it too. And uh, with that, we're going to move on to a a segment you mentioned uh, a little while ago. Uh, You know, it has been several months since we have recorded an episode of Sound Off. Mm. And for the listeners out there, we thought we would... What what was the plan? How about you? Okay, the plan. Um, Well, I was thinking about this because I was talking to DJ once about what he had been listening to this summer because what I had been listening to this summer was DJ Ones' show... Through the internet, um, you can stri- you can stream 88.1 through WKNC.org. So I'd been listening to a lot of 88.1, but when I wasn't at um, my computer, I was wondering, I was listening to a lot of different stuff. So I was curious what he was listening to, and I thought we'd share with you guys. So what were you listening to this summer, DJ One? Uh, well, I, th- I think if you were listening to the shows, one thing that has carried throughout the summer and is staying with me now and it's going to be hard. I mentioned this to you the other day. It's going to be hard to knock this album off of my top five list from this year. I actually said top one. This is my yeah. favorite album of this year. What is the Nationals High Violet? I just think this is an absolute masterpiece. Every time I hear it, it's just emotionally draining from start to finish. And I just can't, I just can't stop. I, it's, <laughs> it's really becoming an addiction. Really? DJ Ones has a Nationals problem. I have a problem with the National, and they're playing in Raleigh. Is it in a the National singular? The National. Oh, man. They're playing in a couple of months in Raleigh. Oh, really? And I'm very excited. I, when I got the schedule for uh, my fall classes here at NC State, I made sure that none of my tests were going to fall in the morning after the National playing in uh, in Raleigh. That's how bad it is at this point in time. All right. But uh, besides the National, uh, Tame Impala is this Australian group. They have been blowing up the airwaves in Australia. They hit top five within Australian uh, record coming, you know, like it's the equivalent of our billboard. They were hitting top five and they're getting massive commercial radio play. And I thought this was a pretty fascinating story that I followed. This band 
coming out. Their debut album is entitled Inner Speaker and just blowing up. Massive success. Uh, it almost reminded me of the amount of success that the Timber Trap came across with last year. But these guys, I think, have gone above and beyond the amount of commercial appeal, at least in Australia. And I'm really hoping that that catches on here because yeah. they are a fantastic psychedelic rock group that uh, deserve all the attention that they require. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't heard it. But I also haven't been here in a few months, so I have some music collecting to do. So Is that it? I There have been a couple others that I've been... Uh, any honorable mentions? Any honorable mentions? Chris is Weird. Uh, it's an old band. They released uh, a couple of tracks that hadn't been previously released. Uh, it is the band that a couple of members of Band of Horses were with before they broke off and formed Band of Horses. It's beautiful. It's morose. It's dark. And uh, it's another one of those really emotionally draining records. <laughs> DJ once did a lot of crying this time. No, I didn't. <laughs> but uh, it's it's interesting because I also listened to this band called Magic Kids the other day. I've kind of been infatuated with them recently. They have this incredible throwback pop sound. Really? And I listened to an interview of theirs, and it seems as if their mantra on music is, happy is the way to go because b- sad music is bad music to them. <laughs> And it comes across in every song that they have put out. And uh, they also were on that enemy best of 2010 for new bands. Okay. See, I notice when I'm away from the station, my music trends just kind of, I'm like in my vacuum of things I collected over the school year from KNC. So what I'd been listening to, do you ever notice like how your environment changes your music taste? Um, well, I was living in Miami this summer and like, was driving around and all I wanted to listen to was Dinosaur Feathers. That was like my favorite. That was definitely the best album to listen to. That and Butterfly Bones. And do you remember from our last podcast we did right before the school year, you raved about the radio department CD? Yeah, definitely killed that one too. And um, my, I did a trip to Michigan for a while and I always say his name wrong. Sufjan Stevens, is that right? I think that's right. Did I nail it? All right. I mean, talk about some Midwest music. So I guess nothing that fresh and new. I was just kind of curious what you were listening to. Well, at one point he did come out, his idea, he had a concept of creating a huge amount of albums all based on a certain state. And he only got to a couple. Yeah. But uh, Well, you're driving through them and you're, I mean, it's kind of funny because all my family's from Michigan. So, um. I mean, especially his his songs about Michigan are really, I mean, and not to mention it's just really beautiful music. So it was great summer music. Um, I can't wait to get more, though, more music. Yeah, there's a lot coming in, and uh, the releases in the fall are just as exciting. Although, man, May, April, there was just a slew of fantastic songs and fantastic albums that were coming in. Uh, and all the tours that were going on. I mean, there's a bunch of tours coming up, too, of albums or of uh, musicians that are coming in, too. I don't know if it's – is there, like, an album release season and a tour season? I wouldn't say there's a season, but there's generally a trend of we're going to release an album and then we're going to tour for a year in support of that album. I would say there's so many good shows coming up in this area in the fall, but that's not relevant to everyone who doesn't live in this area that's listening yeah, to Yeah, it doesn't live in Raleigh, Durham, <laughs> So we don't Hill. need to talk about it. No, that's okay. I was just excited and wanted to say something. Okay, you want to review? Yeah. And with that, let's review Best Coast Crazy for You. Now, this is their debut album. As we mentioned earlier, this is a band out of Los Angeles. It's fronted by Bethany Cosentino. I believe that's how you pronounce first last name. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she's brought along a couple of multi-instrumentalists. And they have a drummer who's now on to play and tour with them. Now, uh, what are your thoughts on Best Coast debut album, Crazy For You? I, I really think it is something unique. And that surfer rock is really definitely the theme here. Um, I think the best thing that they do as musicians is I'm totally in love with the way that she has this really raw voice and these really um, heavy instrumentals and then just kind of totally contradicts it with these like layered vocals, like kind of like how she and him does it. But I mean, it's just so something I was totally not expecting. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think the tracks that you're mentioning, like, uh, could you give me an example? Um, yeah, I have a bunch. of. There ones. are some later tracks that definitely have this focus where she's singing these really kind of dreamy songs about relationships. And oh, there's always all that about kind relationships. of dark <laughs> undertone, which I think is a funny push pull that is I don't know, throughout the entire album. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. To, I mean, I, I found I kept hearing it in almost every album, you know, just like backup vocals almost. You know, just these girly little like ooh la la la's kind of thing, and it, it it was a really awesome mix. So, what were your first impressions on the album? Uh, I thought it worked as a set of singles. This is a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, if I was to get really snooty about it and try to put it in that top five list potential, right? I wouldn't say it would make it necessarily, but that doesn't mean it's not a great album. Uh, the part that falls for me is the fact that. I didn't feel as if there was a ton of diversity from track to track. Mm-hmm. Every song you're getting these kind of vocal presentations that emphasize, I want to be with somebody, but there's something that, that's out there that is preventing me from being with him, and I can't really control that. And so from as it progresses, I think there's an interesting dynamic to where it's kind of like going through the stages of grief. Yeah, okay. Where it's denial and then... Rejection and I think I think it's continuing throughout. And at one point, uh, there's just acceptance that mm-hmm. that can't. I th- I thought it was interesting that these were all love songs, but that I I'm wondering. I mean, because the first song she's talking about how when she's with this person they have fun, and then the next one is um, she keeps saying never fall in love. Like you're never gonna fall in love. I think is the the lyric, and I'm just like, is this the same person? Is this just like a collection of? experiences yeah there is this interesting push pull from track to track i think uh what is it maybe the second yeah the second track which is uh titled similar which is the what well, has the same name as the title of the album it's called crazy for you i think on that track there's a definite example of this push pull tendency uh like i want to hit you and then kiss you yeah i want to kill you but then i miss you i mean those type of lyrics really get across this this fact that Maybe this girl doesn't know exactly what she wants, Uh but I think it's a lot of fun to take the ride with her and just to see where she's going with things. Yeah, and the lyrics are very simple. Um, I mean, it's not it's it's got a sense of catchiness and a sense of cuteness, but it's it's nothing like completely deep. I mean, there's two songs where she very distinctly makes the same rhyme with crazy and lazy, like in the first album and in the first track, and then there's another one. And then when I heard that the second time, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's very honest. Um, it, it's just, it's relatable, obviously, because there's nothing too incredibly specific. But, I mean, if you've had some sort of relationship or thought about some sort of relationship, there is a song in this album for you. Cause you I think can- that's a pretty good uh, guarantee that you can make. 
Yeah, if you have fun, if you hate everyone, there's stuff for you for sure. What was your favorite song? Ah, uh, boyfriend. Yeah, I and I hate singing that song in public <laughs> because the I think the opening lyrics are "I wish I had a boyfriend." Uh huh. And well, I, I think that's the other thing too is like her songs are very. Um, there's a juvenile sense to it. There is. That's a definite point to make. Especially how the the repetition. Sorry, finish what you were saying. No, it's it's they're simple. They don't try to speak way too, you know, greatly. They're not up their own butt to put yeah. it quite bluntly. But they're just there for uh, entertainment value, among mm-hmm. other things. Like even in um the bratty B, like I I won't I don't want to be what's the exact line? I promise why I won't be such a brat. Like just these simple terms. And and the repetition is something that is driven throughout the whole album. I mean, there's constant like m- a lot of the choruses are just repeating the same line. Um, but I, I think that's a popular thing in surfer rock. I think there's also an interesting way that they incorporate that marijuana mentality in a lot of songs. Where? Oh, wait, she says, she says like, you're more fun than a bag of weed or something, right? Or- there's definitely tracks where uh, the influences of marijuana are present. It seems to be oh something gosh, that defines it. this kind of lazy surfer rock mentality that <laughs> we're going to have fun. I hope we could date, but I don't think it's going to happen. Let's smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, no. Now I just realized that Matt Tobias is going to cut that out and make that into like a sweeper. <laughs> oh, that's such a terrible idea. We have a, we have a creative services manager. Yeah, who, who dates uh, Sarah. Is that yeah, too much information? No. Anyway. And uh, he's going to cut that out and use that later. All you. All right. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. Okay. One thing I thought I heard I wanted to ask you about um so if you think I'm stupid tell me there is one song specifically that I was like this almost sounds like animal collective there was one track where I, okay you're going to have to do some convincing here well it wasn't like it wasn't an overall theme like this album I mean and I couldn't even tell you which one it was I really feel like there was it was each and every day in like the in the chorus there was this part that just told I was you would almost feel like you're listening to an Animal Collective song. You can call me stupid publicly. I don't care. You can make the point, but I, I, don't, I don't have call you stupid the publicly. point. Is that I think it sounds like okay. on no All right. well. on no pretense. So anyway, all right. So let's sum. Oh, let's all right. So let's sum up <laughs> our review. Uh, final thoughts. I guess we started with what initial thoughts. Final initial. thoughts. I um I think you make a really good point by saying. You, I think the best point that you made was that it does sound like a collection of singles. I completely agree with that. Um, it's not something that I would probably sit down and listen to the album through. Um, not on purpose. I, was that weird? That's mean. I didn't mean it like that. It's just um, I think there's certain songs that stick in my head that I'd be like, oh, I really want to listen to that song right now. But and and that alone, I think, makes the album worth it because the songs are all good. But um, maybe good mixtape material is that. All right, I'll accept that. Okay. <laughs> uh, this album is a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself way too seriously, at least when you first hear it. And then when you go back and listen to the lyrics, it seems as if something is, is sort of wrong in the uh, female vocalist's life. But uh, it's it's good to listen to. I wouldn't take it too seriously. Uh, I don't mean that in any derogatory sense. Right. Uh, and I think this is definitely one that I'm going to regret singing out loud in public. 
I could see you walking around campus saying, you know, I try not to be such a brat. DJ one. I try. <laughs> All right. And with that, let's move on to our second review. Uh, we usually don't do two reviews on Sound Off, but we're making a quick little change. We're going to spice it up a little bit for this week. I think it's I think it's very worthwhile that we come back and do two major reviews. Sure. Now, we mentioned it earlier. This is Arcade Fire's third album entitled The Suburbs. Besides it hitting number one on Billboard, I actually listened to it and I guess evaluated it myself. Before it hit number one on Billboard's, uh, I was vehement about not listening to any of the songs, about checking out any of the reviews. I tried to stay completely dumb and ignorant of what people were thinking about this record. Okay. So what were your first thoughts? Oh, I was in love with this album. I was in love with it. The first thing I said to DJ Owens, I was like, can you give me two more days so that I can give this album the time it deserves? Because there is just a phenomenal amount of depth to this music in every department, in the in the lyrics, in the overall composition. I mean, I was crazy impressed and i never listened to arcade fire before so whatever that means to you i thought it was a phenomenal album i came in it as an arcade fire fan i didn't i was not one that would listen to them constantly i didn't have an arcade fire t-shirt or any of that <laughs> type of fanboyism but i had definitely liked arcade fire's previous material and this one put me over the top into that fanboy realm of arcade fired love do you tweet about it uh i probably way too much uh i am a sucker for concept albums and this record covers the concept of life in the suburbs growing up man as entitled by the the name of the album itself uh and this also comes a lot of inspiration comes from the fact that the butlers that live uh, that are in arcade fire the brothers lived in a large suburb in Texas for most of their life. And that, I think there's an interesting, I mean, we talked about push-pull in the previous record. There is also this love-hate relationship with this record where there are points where they are looking back on this period in their life, thinking that, you know, how terrible society was keeping us back. And yet they're looking at it with that those wide eyes and that nostalgia factor saying, well, we are what we are today because we lived in the suburbs. See, I thought it was maybe a little bit more transitional, as in maybe they saw themselves in a suburban situation now and they were looking back um, kind of, I, I mean, just the ways they talk about in the month of May, like talking about the kids, the kids crossing their arms and things. And there was a line, I mean, you're, I I don't know about you, but I was constantly trying to put it together which is why i wanted more time because it's like a big puzzle this album like there's so many tracks with the name suburb in it and um there's one line in suburban war that's um something to the effect of you cut your hair and i never saw you again which was something i and it was talking about friends and i felt like that was something a sign of um the artist realizing all his friends were growing up and he was moving away from that. So, uh, yeah, I can definitely see where you would point that out. Uh, I I think this album is incredibly poignant in its message. I there are a couple of spots where it kind of drags a little bit for me. And which track? This is more in was Half Light. I think those two tracks 
they kind of drag along. They serve their purpose, but there's nothing overly spectacular about them. And then the great point is when they when they put in that month of May track, which just kicks it right in the middle, right when they need it after kind of slowing down a bit with some previous uh, tracks. What was your favorite song? Sprawl 2, Mountains Beyond Mountains. Oh, me too. Oh. Me too. Oh. That was a high five, high five you just heard. in the studio. Oh my gosh. That that song is amazing. Oh that's that's going to be one of my top songs of this year. And and the fact that you know, this album is so it it works so well together and there is this theme through the whole song or through the whole album throughout these songs and the lyrics. But the fact that the sprawl to you and the month of May can be on the same album by the same artist, like done so well. They're not similar songs at all, and they're both wonderful. I thought Sprawl Two was an absolutely amazing finish to this record. And that vocalist, gosh, she's yep. got that sweet, sweet sound. Beautiful. That's the that is the wife of a Win Butler, and she delivers a, just a tremendous track. Within this set. Good work for her. And I I told you earlier, I'm a sucker for the concept albums. So when it kind of wraps up with that Suburbs continued kind of track that <gasps> kind of encapsulates a lot of uh, what was before it. I See, I'm this is what happens when you grow up a fan of The Who and towards the end of their tracks, they constantly bring up sounds in each and every song. I'm particularly mentioning Quadrophenia. Uh, there is a track late in that album that pretty much takes samples and puts it all together in one song towards mm-hmm. the end. And uh, the Suburbs doesn't do that exactly, but they take the song from their first, or they take parts of the song, of the first song, and they put it in the end, and I thought it was like a great conclusion paragraph to a to a novel or something like that. You know, my when I got the album when you gave it to me, I couldn't get it back order in iTunes, but I did notice, I think I know what you're talking about now, that there were some... Um, lines in that song, The Suburbs, and in another song, but I couldn't find it. Like when he's talking about in the suburbs is where we learn to drive. So let's take mom's keys. That one. Exactly, yeah. Uh, one of the more poignant albums, oh, I mean, I mean, not albums, but one of the fantastic tracks that I really kind of pulled out was Wasted Hour. Mm-hmm. I thought that nailed home that nostalgia factor. Uh, and it kind of looked back at some of the more innocent parts of living in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, it was another great example of an album that just blown me away completely. Right. I mean, I, I think, yeah, they do bring out a lot of different points about living in the suburbs, I think. Um, what an interesting thing to write an album about, especially because I think so many people are from the suburbs. What now. I think is going to be really funny about this is those indie kids that live in the suburbs right now that are going to be listening to this album and uh, trying to relate to it as much as possible and seeing that. Didn't you live in the suburbs? I did not live in the suburbs. Oh, okay. I totally lived in the suburbs. So, I mean, I I guess I figured everyone lived in the suburbs. A lot of people. Where are you from then? The country? Yeah, he's shaking his head. All right. Did you sit in your room and listen to music all day? Yeah, that's all I had to do. (laughs) That's all there is to do out there. After feeding the mules, is that what you did? Chickens. See, um, I mean, I guess if you're not from the suburbs, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't consider myself an indie kid. I'm aware of indie music, but living in the suburbs, I think, definitely has a lot to say. There's a lot of frustration that I can I can feel like I can connect with. 
I mean, just like, gosh, this place sucks. I'm, it's like in between the city and the country. And, you know, you can go to the McDonald's or the Chick-fil-A, but really, I don't know. I, I understand. I, I sensed frustration. And I also felt frustration in the suburbs. So is that the kind of indie kid reaction you were looking for? Like, oh, man. Not necessarily. All right. But no, I think that is an interesting point to make. That there are going to be kids now listening to this album and thinking, man, the suburbs sucks. But yet again, you know, this is where I first fell in love. This is where I learned how to drive a car. This is where I got my first job. That, that you know, second point that this is who I am because I live there mm-hmm. is going to be something that hopefully, I'm hopefully thinking kids have a little bit of insight to think about. That's but true. maybe it's one of those things you just have to grow up and realize. Yeah. And I think that Arcade Fire show, they have grown up a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, their previous albums usually focus on topics of government and religion, heavy-handed stuff. I'm not saying that that reflecting on their childhood is not something that is heavy-handed, but Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting way to make a a point about an interesting subject. Yeah. Suburbs are an interesting subject. And I mean, I would, I guess if we're, are we doing closing now or is there, do you have more you want to say? I was just thinking, I was like, I'm about to repeat something I already said. So why don't I make it a closing statement? All right. All right. So <laughs> let's wrap uh, up our review of Arcade Fire's The Suburbs. I love it. I can't wait to listen to this thing all the time. I mean, it's one of those that you, you know, one of those albums that, you know, you're not quite in love with it yet, but you know, you're going to be like, if you spend more time with it, it just, every song you fall in love with it and you hear something different in it every time there's. So much to this album, like I said before, lyrically, um, musically, everyone's talented. Vocally, everyone does a great job. And it's so diverse, which is another kudos point. So two thumbs up, Arcade Fire, The Suburbs. Oh, we're having a thumb system now. I didn't well, know that you were going to just throw that out on me. <laughs> Whoa. It's all you. All you right. Wanna... Well, so final thoughts. This is an uh, incredibly beautiful album. Uh, it's pushing out this significant message that has this duality among itself that love and hate relationship with growing up. And I think this is easily one of the best records of this year. Kudos. Kudos and with that, fire. I think we're going to wrap things up. Uh, once again, I am Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. I'm on Mondays from 1 to 3 p.m. Oh, um, and I'm Kirsten Southall, otherwise known as DJ Vice. And I am on Mondays 5 to 7 um, with Spaceman Spiff and J-Town. Do you know you're in my phone as DJ ones? Did you know that? Didn't know that, no. I was just thinking about that when that's why you caught me off guard. So. <laughs> All right. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at WKNC SoundOff. Or you can email us if you have a suggestion for news articles that we should discuss or albums that we should review. And you can do that through SoundOff at WKNC.org. And with that, we're going to sound off. We'll Ooh. see you next week. 